This is Radio Free Galaxy. It's time to go. This is the Space Age, and we are here to go. Welcome to Radio Free Galaxy. I'm Travis Lee. I'm Teen Komar. And I'm Kelly Holder. And this is episode 114 of Radio Free Galaxy, this podcast that we do, this conversation between friends about the media that we love, the movies, the TV shows, the music. That's what we do here. And thank you to Kelly Holder for joining us again from the Two Broads and a Bottle of Wine podcast. Hey Kelly. I am I am very happy to be here to discuss what we are about to discuss. We will be discussing The Sandman this evening. The entire season of The Sandman, which was just released last week. Was it last week? Yeah. Yeah, it was like August 5th. Okay. Yeah, uh just last week on Netflix. Um, long-awaited live-action adaption of The Sandman, right? We've yeah. all been looking forward to this. Well, I wouldn't say we all, but, I mean, people like us. People like us. <laughs> people like us oh, yeah. who are into goth culture or alternative culture or comic books, whatever you're kind of into that's on the weird side a little bit. Uh, you've probably been looking forward to some kind of live-action adaption of the Sandman and I you know no spoilers for the rest of the show but it's a pretty darn good one you know right can we Mm -hmm. all agree on that oh yes yes Yes. I was very pleased I've got my complaints though I've got some notes I've got some notes notes. you know me I can't I know I can't say that everything's perfect but I enjoyed it quite a bit and we'll gush about it later uh, first of all, we will get into a little business. Uh, check out Two Broads and a Bottle of Wine, I, the podcast that your co-host of, Kelly. I know you guys are in hiatus right now, but you have some episodes out there that people can listen to, correct? Yes, I think we have like 17 episodes out, and mm-hmm. we have decided we, we decided to take the summer off and then... Um, uh, Leslie is on vacation. I was on vacation, and we just agreed, like, okay, we'll we'll just regroup when we get back, and then see what we want to do. Yeah, so. I've been seeing some of Leslie's uh, vacation pictures oh my on social media. Yeah. Oh I my know. god, beautiful! I know she's mm-hmm. in Iceland. It's like, <laughs> so cool, so gorgeous, so rad. Like everywhere she tags that, like she is. I'm just like I can't pronounce it, and I also want to be there. Yes. yes. <laughs> 
Yes, and I want to eat what she's eating and drink what she's drinking, too. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Iceland seems like such a cool vacation destination. Like, off the beaten path, yet, like, such a different world. Such a different world. Like, one of those vacation places you can still go to that isn't just kind of, like, where you already are. Like, homogenized and, like, just touristy. Just, right. Yeah. Yeah, so we're jealous of her. But anyway, where can we find two broads and a bottle of wine, Kelly? You can find two broads and a bottle of wine on Instagram. So it's the number two broads and a bottle of wine on Instagram. Mm -hmm. Uh, We do have a web page where you can find all of our episodes. You can find all of our episodes on uh, Apple Music, Google Play, Spotify, of course, um, and I, I believe like Stitcher. It's it's out there like anywhere you can get podcasts. Pretty much anywhere you're listening to this currently, you can just switch over after this and listen to a couple episodes of Two Broads and a Bottle of Wine. We highly encourage this behavior. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Most indubitably. Also, in business terms, uh, let's talk about the Radio Free Galaxy YouTube page. I'm pretty happy about what I've been doing over there. We're at nearly 700 videos. Whoa. And this week, we just crossed a quarter of a million views. Nice. Pretty happy with that. Hell yeah. And the latest video I just put up is a very special cartoon presentation from 1990 that was aired on all the major networks. It was it was aired on the four n- major networks of TV at the, at the time. <laughs> four channels. 1990, kids. Uh, it was aired on the four major networks and also on, I believe, like Nickelodeon, a few of the cable channels as well. But it was a cartoon all-stars to the rescue. And basically a bunch of the cartoon all-stars uh, got together to save a young boy from using drugs. So you got like one of the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, uh, like Garfield, two- Garfield, Elf, Elf. Smurfs. Yeah. Uh, you got the Muppet Babies hanging around. You got Bugs Bunny. Right. Like, I mean, Elf when they- and the Chipmunks there too or something. Yep. I think it's just two of the chipmunks, though. I think, yeah, it's it's weird because it was just who they could get the voices for, like the official voices Mm. for. So, like, there's one turtle. There's like two chipmunks. What did like Theodore just to say pass on and just? I could be I could be wrong. I I've watched it like four or five times now since I was digitizing it and putting it up, but like. I can't remember how many chipmunks are in it, but I, I remember I remember seeing like two, and I'm like, well, where's the other one? You know? Yeah, where is the other one? I think it was Theodore that wasn't there. Fucking Theodore, dude. Yeah, I think it was just Alvin and Simon. I could be wrong. Can't get his shit together. Can never get his shit together. So, uh, yeah, so that full episode is up on the Radio Free Galaxy youtube page so you can check it out there and you can watch full concerts there's a full kiss concert from 1998 in milwaukee on the radio free for now for now it's there until they decide to take it away uh which is their right but um for now you can watch kiss as well and lots of other commercials and tv from the 80s and 90s it's totally rad totally rad so i'm proud of that uh anything else 
So Geek Girl, your oh, t-shirts and um, stuff? Um, well, I've been making a lot of new shirts. I actually just put some stuff up for Condemned, the comic book I am working on, which follows four uh, succubus sisters and their life in hell. Uh, you can find my stuff on T Public under So Geek Girl, S-E-W-G-E-E-K-G-I-R-L. I also have some artwork up for the Radio Free Ga- Galaxy podcast. We want to get some sweet merch for RFG. Like what? Well, I got our... <laughs> Like what? <laughs> well, great thing about T Public is not only can you get your design put on a shirt, you can get it done on pins, you can get it done on bags, pillows, tapestries, and I also believe you can get them in magnets. So there's all kinds of cool stuff you can get with that. Because I have the one print of us as like uh, in our space alien versions uh, mm. done in the gorilla style. Yeah. It's pretty sweet. It is pretty sweet. I have a tank top with that design on it that I ordered myself. And, uh, yeah, so I appreciate it. Thank you for making that merch for us. Oh, yeah, no problem. Anyway, that's all the business. I don't want to talk anymore about us. Let's talk about Kelly. Kelly, speaking of vacations, I saw on social media recently that you wanted on a pretty awesome vacation. Yeah, I went down to Perdido. My husband and I went down to Perdido Key to hang with my family. Um, I am originally from the Gulf Coast, mm-hmm. so once a year my family, we converge we've done this for like the last i don't know 20 years where we've converged on this one house and we just hang out at the beach together for a week um so i did that it was fun and then um yeah and then i i came back and just started uh started back at work and uh watched the sandman that's like been my week you like excellent you like let me know that you were like done with it (laughs) like a day after it seemed like a day after you got back from vacation you're like starting watchman salmon now done (laughs) yeah i i i i I consumed it it was because like my husband and i we got back at like 1 30 in the morning on sunday yeah and uh And, like, so the the day was filled with, like, you know, sleeping in, trying to get laundry done. And, like, at, like, 2 o'clock in the afternoon, I was like, let's start watching. He's like, let's wait till dinner. And I'm always like, fuck. (laughs) 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 Like, I don't know if I can wait that long. Like, I've been waiting for 30 years. (laughs) And and then I was like, well, what's a few hours going to kill me? So I stayed up till almost midnight that night watching episodes. And then the next day finished it up and then i re-binged it towards the end of this week nice um to uh so so i could remember what i saw so we could talk about it tonight yeah all right well i mean i just can't i just can't binge stuff that fast i i just i i like to find taste things kind of like i'm drinking a tea or a wine and just slowly sip it especially when it's something i like so i used to say that i don't love TV like I, I I clearly do love movies more than TV just as like a medium okay I just I'm more of a movie guy but like I always have been a TV guy I'm just not a binge guy I just I really really enjoy watching programs gradually and you know I don't mind watching them once a week and things like that like this podcast forces me to do it faster and I don't really like it I like time in between to talk about it with my friends to think about it to create my own headcanon in my head for these like new myths that were being told you know and 
really really form an opinion on it you know uh it's it's great you know doing it to review and things like that but like i find that binging it i just don't retain it as long as i would if i watched it gradually you know a lot of the marvel series that they're putting out you know one a week and or the star wars ones I appreciate it so much more because it, mm-hmm. it'll leave you on a cliffhanger and I can just sit and wonder and theorize about it all week. And, and, you know, you can, you can debate about what you think is going to happen next, who's going to show up, what guest stars are going to be on this and that. And sometimes binging it is just like, it's too much at one time. Well, it's like cramming for a test the night before and then failing the test because you just didn't get time to let it kind of just, you know, stay in your brain. I don't I know that. if even failing it, but just like even if even if or enjoying like, it, I, enjoying it when you have to cram for a test, you know, and even if you just like ace it, you still just like packed up. And it's stressful, you know what I mean? <laughs> it's, it's very stressful. stressful. And even if you ace it, you walk away just feeling like beat up a little bit instead of accomplished. Yeah, or satisfied. Yeah, I don't know. And you don't retain a lot of the knowledge no, you when don't. you when you learn things like that either. You really no, don't. You're not At least I. It. Some people do. Everyone has a different way of learning. A lot of people I found really do uh, respond well to cramming things and and retaining the knowledge. But that that's a very small cross section of people. I would say that you know cram and retain the knowledge. So I don't know. Yeah, it makes a, it less special too. I'm a gradual learner. I learn by doing things over and over and over again and figuring it the fuck out myself. And I feel like I watch TV the same way. You know, so no, it makes sense. I don't know. Whatever. Who cares? <laughs> Who cares how <laughs> oh, I watch TV? I thought TV? it was cute. Who the fuck cares? I how thought I it watch was cute. TV? It's like get to the review, motherfuckers. <laughs> well, no, you're gonna have to wait because we're gonna talk about some other shit first. Christine, you've been watching more Warehouse 13 this yes, week. Yes, I have. You're still on that. I love that. It's yeah. also between that and the Love Boat, so it's been quite a quirky combination. You're still on the Love Boat. I love the Love Boat. Yeah. Like the outfits are incredible, and like anytime I see something, I just start squeeing all out. So. I guess that's what you that's what I need in a show. The Love Boat it, it's it's wonderful. If if none of you kids have ever watched it, it, it it's great. It's free on Pluto TV right now. They, I you can't watch it on demand. Um but they do just have a streaming channel where you can just watch episodes for free all yeah. day long. And one of the things about it it's it's like a vehicle for guest stars to just show up that were like famous on TV at all, all mm-hmm. at the same time. So you'll you'll get like uh, David Hasselhoff will show up and be mm-hmm. sexy as hell shirtless, you know. Or Don Knotts will just show up and he'll <laughs> get married and with this woman who has a baby who just liked right. him for five seconds and it right. all works out in the end. Right. And Every Charo. episode. Yeah. Oh yeah. Charo. Yeah, Charo. She's or great. Vincent Price. He was yeah, fantastic. Just just like whoever and like it was almost like you know like this like just vehicle it it was like an open blank slate for like other stars to come on promote themselves promote their shows by showing up on this show but just kind of being themselves in a different role you know you'll see like the golden girls will be on there yep. and just like everybody mm-hmm. else and they'll be you know doing different versions of them and like betty white will show up and being beautiful betty white yeah things like that but yeah highly recommend the love boat as some just brainless TV to watch. And also if you want to get some really cool fashion ideas, yes. totally watch <laughs> The yes. Love Boat. There you will just die in every episode because it just doesn't matter. Everyone looks wonderful. 
they had a episode uh, I was watching the other day while you were taking a nap. They they had like a disco party. <gasps> Uh, in, oh, in like the disco. main in the main dining room they turned it into like a disco hall and for some reason it was like a tribute to Raymond Burr was on so like Perry Mason and in, in like mm. his later years when he had the beard and everything going on he looked good with the beard yeah uh, well he always dude yeah, he I always mean, looked good yeah um but like for some reason he was like a teacher they were paying tribute to so like they had a disco dance party i don't know i wasn't watching it that closely that makes me happy like hey let's make a disco and then it's just an awesome disco yeah i approve okay so that's what we've been watching um i haven't been getting into anything new this week i'm still just kind of on the glow of bullet train that we watched last week i thought that was such a fantastic movie and we forgot to mention that end, that end part where the train crashes last week when yes. we were talking about um, the movie. That was actually like my favorite scene, and I totally forgot it because I, we crammed that movie and then decided to do the podcast that night. So it, it, that's what happens when you do something quick. You forget stuff, but the end scene, or at least one of the end scenes... Near the end. Near the end is uh, when the train crashes. Uh, Brad Pitt is slow-mo going through all of the different parts of the cars of the tra- bullet train, but he's got these ridiculous face expressions and his body contortions through the entire yeah. thing, and it's actually really, really funny. The the train is crashing, and he's flying through the train as it crashes, like, between the cars. And, you know, the story is that he's an unlucky uh hitman well we put that in quotation marks i say hitman he's really an operative that's a snatch and grab kind of guy but he thinks he's very unlucky the truth is is that he's super lucky so this train crashes and he just like floats through the train (laughs) while it's crashing avoiding perfectly uh, perfectly avoiding like every obstacle that could kill him along the way and he's making the goofiest faces as he like falls through this train in slow motion and it was very reminiscent of the scenes in deadpool while they're doing like the slow motion kind of falling (laughs) through and it it makes sense because it's by one of the directors of deadpool 2 or um the the director of deadpool 2 uh david leach so yeah it's it's wonderful if you guys haven't seen bullet train yet Check that movie out. It is so it's fun. Great. So fun. It's it's really fun. Because of because of your review, I yeah. actually want to see that movie now. So it's great. Yeah. It's yeah. It's I a also, great date I, movie. Okay, cool. <laughs> I also want to revisit Warehouse Thirteen. I haven't seen that in years. <laughs> uh, I love I love it. Um, I actually I think I still have two or three more seasons to go before I have to go to U- Eureka. But it's just it's comforting because I watched it in the early two uh, thousands and it. Like while the graphics were never great then, the, it doesn't matter. The show is still pretty awesome. Yeah, like I said, it reminds me a lot of Supernatural in in a different mm-hmm. way. Dude, but... if Dean and Sam ever showed up, it would totally make sense. But yeah. I don't think they do. I think I was like reading through all the notes to see if because I mean, like they have a lot of actors. Like Crowley, he's in that show yeah. a couple times, and I'm like, right. okay. This would be a really lost opportunity if, you know, Sam and Dean Winchester just didn't show up randomly in the background <laughs> eating a cheeseburger or donut or something. Yeah. No, that, I, I love that show. It's just like, am I not like I watch Love Boat in the morning? You got to watch my Love Boat stories. And then in the evening, I get to watch my Warehouse 13. Well, to be fair, it, it usually starts out as I'm watching the news in the morning. 
and then you get bored with that and you put on cartoons. As it should and be. then around lunchtime, it turns into the love boat. And then, like, after I wake up from a nap in the afternoon, I walk into the living room and Warehouse 13's on. So I get very little choice <laughs> as, <laughs> as to what gets watched on the TV. And then sometime, maybe around 10 or 11 at night, I'm like, honey, can I put on something else? <laughs> he gives me the saddest, biggest puppy dog eyes. It's like, may I please change this? <laughs> is it okay <laughs> anyway that's our life anyway kelly you told us you've been reading something really good what's that oh yeah so um because i was gonna be a plane be on a plane yeah. i decided to download uh, uh like download an audible book and what i'm reading is the secret history of consciousness by gary lockman uh, Gary Lockman was the guitarist for Blondie, but he is also a prolific writer of the on the occult. Wow. So um, I am about, I think I'm seven chapters into it now, and um, it <laughs> it is really interesting. Um, but, yeah, I, I mean, he's basically just covering, you know, all of these – philosopher thinker type people from you know the the late 1800s through like i'm gonna say the mid 1900s and it it's just all of like what is reality what is consciousness um and uh yeah it's it's fascinating it'll bend your head around though because uh, like my, I was telling my husband about it, and we started getting into a, a conversation about like quantum mechanics, and I was just like, okay, see, like this stuff, like after we have this conversation, I'm just gonna be like, I'm not real. <laughs> <laughs> I don't really exist. Like the simulation theory is real. Like, right. um, but yeah, no, it's just it's it's really interesting. It's fascinating stuff. Um, I I do want to read uh, with with us discussing Sandman. Mm -hmm. uh, I do want to read uh, the book that he wrote on Alistair Crowley. Oh, so. that'd be cool. Yep. Does yeah. uh, the book get into like Madame Blavatsky and like esoteric stuff? It gets into Madame Blavatsky. Yeah. Yeah, I haven't I haven't gotten to her. I just finished the uh, the chapter on uh, Peter Ospensky. Oh, I don't know who that is. So yeah, a lot of these people, I'm just like, I don't know who any of these people are, but wow, okay. Yeah. <laughs> All right, cool. We'll have to check that out. I'm very interested in the subject and um, fan of Blondie too, so I have to get into that. That sounds really cool. And you said it's yeah. an audiobook too, so that, I mean, that oh, makes rad. it fucking easy. I don't have to use my eyes. <laughs> yeah. yeah. You can use your eye holes for other and, things. Yeah, and I'll, I think a lot of his stuff like uh, is on audiobook because I also want to read, um, I think it's just called The History of the Occult is a book he wrote. So, yeah. Anyway. <laughs> well, that pairs well with this episode because we're going to be getting into a lot of the occult stuff, especially in the beginning of this show. So, if you guys are satisfied with our life updates, we can get into the Sandman. You guys cool with that? Mischief yeah, managed. Let's do it. All right, mischief managed. I like that. All right, let's take a break, and we'll be back right after this with our Sandman review. Stay tuned. This episode of Radio Free Galaxy is brought to you by Eddie Vedder's Cheddar Worse. 
Eddie Vedder's Cheddarwurst are the only brand of cheese-filled sausage that will keep you even flowing all day long. Find them in your local supermarket today. Eddie Vedder's Cheddarwurst. Mmm. Mmm. All right, we're back on Radio Free Galaxy. We're going to be reviewing the Sandman now. Let's start off with our non-spoiler overall thoughts. Uh, Kelly, you're the guest, so it's your honor to go first. And also, uh, if you would, please uh, talk a little bit about your experience uh, before the show came out with the Sandman. Did you read it while it was out? You know, uh, where, where were you on the Sandman before this came out? So, um, I started reading Sandman, I believe, in 1992. Mm -hmm. So, it it released in 1989, um, so I was was a little late to the game on it, but I got caught up on it and uh, started reading them as they were coming out. Mm -hmm. And so, um, I'm a big fan of Neil Gaiman um and yeah I've been (laughs) I've been waiting for a a live action adaptation of this for quite some time so yeah that's that's my experience with the Sandman (laughs) okay excellent and what did you think of the show overall overall um I was pleased I was very pleased I I know that I know that some things were changed and there are people that are in their feelings about that and that's fine. Um, I was, I was actually all right with a lot of what happened. I think there's like one thing where I was kind of like, but uh, overall I was just like, it was, I thought it was gorgeous for one. Um, The, the casting I thought was excellent um, again, there was only one thing where I was kind of like, um, <laughs> but yeah, I was, I was pleased. That's the best thing I can say is I was pleased. All right. Christine, do you want my backstory too on comic books or no? Not on comic books, <laughs> just this one. Um, I never actually had a chance to really read that much salmon just because it wasn't available to me, but like I loved this interpretation of the show so anything that people are upset about in characters i would have to go back and read mm-hmm. about that to see what it is but overall like i loved it yeah um so when sam came out i was very much into comics at the time uh so i was i was very aware of it and i read some of it uh not all of it i i liked it um but I was very much into superhero comics at the time. And, you know, I was buying all of my books every week that you have to buy to stay up to date and all the latest stories and everything like that. You know, there was no comicsology online or anything in the late nope. 80s, early 90s. Uh, so, like, you had to go to your local store on Wednesday and you had to get the new issues and or pre-order yep. them, whatever you're going to do. And um, to find out what happened next, it was simply like that. And and being that age and that young, like I had to put all my money into just keeping up with the books that I was into at the time. And like adding something else that was weird and I didn't know if I would like you, you just couldn't do that 
you know, with with yeah. your funds necessarily when you were a kid. Like, I've got to get the new issue of Spider-Man. Well, like the five new issues of Spider-Man that are coming out every month. Well, so, like, I, I don't have any money left for Sandman. I will read my friends' volumes of it, and my friends were into it, you know. Um, I went to high school of the arts in the early to mid-90s, so, I mean... There were a lot of people that were into the Sandman, so I was able to borrow some comics and some volumes of it and read them, but I never read the whole thing. Wasn't a super fan of it, but I, I liked it, and I know base, the basic story of it, and I'm a fan of Neil Gaiman's works, and I've read a lot of his other work, so you know I get the aesthetic and everything, and I'm very into it. Um, I liked it a lot. I had fun with it. I enjoyed it. I didn't love it, uh, especially towards the end. I thought there were a few episodes that were just fantastic and like off the charts, but it failed at points when the strength of the actors uh, was different. Okay, so like uh, going from Gwendolyn Christie to to some of the lesser actors in the show was kind of jarring at some points like Gwendolyn Christie was so yes. amazing yes. and especially yes. the episode that was devoted to her so it was kind of jarring to me to go to some of the younger less experienced actors and not get that kind of performance out of everyone and that's just part of TV like, you're always in TV going to get certain TV actors, but um, that, aren't, that aren't of a quality of, of the other ones in the show. But I, that's where my biggest problem is. None of the storyline things bothered me. I know some things were changed from the comic book, but there's very real-world reasons why a lot of them were changed. Uh, Netflix doesn't own the rights to do a lot of the things that appear in a DC comic, which Sandman is. So a lot of characters show up in the Sandman comic that they just don't have the rights to use. It's that simple. You know, like, you can complain about it. Everyone can complain about it all they want. uh, But there's very real reasons why they made a lot of the changes that they had to make. And, And, like... For better or for worse, at least we got a good adaption of it, in my opinion. I think it was a really good adaption of the story without being the exact story. Now, if only they mm-hmm. could do that for Fantastic Four, then we'd be in for a surprise. <laughs> well, I mean... But I'm just saying, like, when it comes to interpreting comic books, like, you either do it really, really bad, that... or you at least work with what you got and actually make a... To me, it was a fantastic story. But Fantastic Four goes to the same thing, too. When they were making those previous Fantastic Four movies, they didn't have the availability to use all of the characters that they really need to make a great Fantastic well, Four story. totally understandable, but they still made a poor movie, regardless of what they had mm. available to them. And they had some pretty decent actors that they had, especially in the first one, that they just, they made it, I, I don't... I don't know what you want to call it. I don't it think that those first two... Now, Fanforstick is a terrible movie. That one's atrocious. That, that's just a terrible movie. But I, the other two Fantastic Four movies, I don't think they're as bad as everyone shits on them and says that they are. They just didn't have the ability 
okay, they had the ability because they at least had like Doctor Doom and the Silver Surfer and stuff. I guess, but like it, it's just the the Fantastic Four needs to live in the Marvel Universe to be the proper Fantastic Four. It really needs to have the Marvel Universe needs the Fantastic Four. It'll never the MCU will never be complete until we get a real Fantastic Four because they are the first family of Marvel, and. Okay, I'm about to I was nerd out. Say, like, also, I, I also have one more thing. Who cares oh, right but now? The thing is, like, I'm happy they made Sandman now because yes. um, also another comic book movie that like I was really hoping would have been good was uh, the Todd McFarlane Spawn movie. And when that came out, it just fell flat in his face. But I think Sandman came out at the right time and got the appropriate like homage to the characters. Yes, it is coming out at the right time where weird shows like this are almost the norm. We don't get a lot of the regular kind of shows that we used to get. Uh, okay, on network TV, you still got your like cop dramas, your hospital dramas, all that and stuff. But even those have like started to like get like weird too. Some of some of them have, you know, like the weirdness of like movies and TV just reflects the generation that's making them now. People our age. And a little bit older generation X are the people that are producing and directing these shows and show running them all. And we want some weirdness. We were sick and tired of our parents' generation shows giving us things like the love boat and, you know, things like that. And they were fine and everything. I'm just saying, you know, we want we we're a little weirder. We're a little weirder. Uh, we're a little more we're off. strange. Yeah. And, and people are strange. And and the things we create, we want to create a little bit weirder. So we get things about magic and aliens and, you know, whatever, superheroes and things now, because that's what we grew up with. And that's what we always wanted to see. So you're right. This is the right time for it to come out now because people will watch it that have never read a comic book and have never read The Sandman and don't know who Neil Gaiman is at all. And... That's good. That's good. And they're more accepting of it. The The public has been conditioned to things like this. So anyway, let's get into properly talking about this show overall. Where do you where do you guys even want to start? Like Dude. certain episodes, like the beginning of the show, like I, I there's so much to dive into in this. And there's so many good parts. Like, should we at least explain what what is the, the story, what is the of, story the show? of the show? Sure. Do you think you two can handle it between the two of you? Can you explain the plot of this season? I don't think I'm seasoned enough to do that. So, <laughs> <laughs> I, okay, so I, I will try. All right. So there is... Uh, so there are beings called the Endless. And uh, you have this secret society that wants to capture death. And the reason why is because, you know, this guy, Burgess, uh, lost his son in the war. And he believes that if he captures death, he can uh, command death and imprison death to bring back his son. Well, (laughs) he doesn't capture death. He captures dream. And Dream is imprisoned for the better part of a century. And, you know, one of the reasons they won't let him go is because, well, they're worried about what, you know, th- he will do to them. And, um, and, and Burgess doesn't get the fact that, like, 
you know, I'm going to keep coming here and asking you for stuff and you need to give it to me. And it's, and you know, and dream is like, Nope, not going to do that. It's not, it's actually not my place to give you those things because that's one of the things with the endless, each one of them has a job to do. And that job is very specific and dream is in charge of the dreaming. And so, um, he has these tools that he uses. He has his helm, he has his ruby, and he has his sand. And those things are taken from him during his imprisonment and he becomes weakened. Well, eventually he does escape. And in order, and he returns to his realm, but his realm has, has decayed because he's been gone for more than a century and a lot of the dream folk have left. So he has to, so he goes on a, you know, search for these, for these items and then hijinks ensue. Right. So I think, is that, is that good? That, 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 no, that's pretty good. I would say for the first half of the season. And then the second half revolves around the plot of there's a dream vortex that's threatening to destroy the wall between the dreaming and the real world and really both it's going to destroy both worlds and yeah. we have to figure out how to nullify that basically yes right? yeah and and that story is a consequence of dream being imprisoned because when he became imprisoned there were all of these people who could not wake up Right. And um, and that story hinges on one of the one of the people that was uh, who basically couldn't wake up. It, it deals with her granddaughter right. or, or great granddaughter. Right. Um, so, yeah. Yeah, that's that's pretty. Yeah. It's, it's pretty good overview of the entire season. Uh, yeah, season one is basically preludes and nocturnes and the dollhouse of okay. um of like if we're talking graphic novels yeah. it's preludes and nocturnes and the dollhouse right. and the other sidebar with all of that is like you know some of the dream folk have left like the corinthian mm -hmm. who is a nightmare and creating nightmares in the waking world and that's a problem yeah. so yeah dream has a lot of work to do to correct yeah. the harm that was done by this by Burgess and this secret society. So if I remember correctly, um, Broderick Burgess also if I mentioned, I got to mention uh, Charles Dance. Of course you do. You know, mm -hmm. I mean, there, there's two uh, excellent actors uh, that, I, that I can think of off the top of my head from Game of Thrones, like two, two of the best from Game of Thrones that are in this show and they're they completely shine in this show and that's charles dance number one and gwendolyn christie number two she's so fucking amazing gwendolyn christie is a devil we'll, we'll get to her but i'm talking about charles dance right now uh menacing as hell and he that character is also from the comic books roderick mm -hmm. uh, burgess right and if i'm correct i'm not like the biggest dc fan but uh, I'm pretty sure that he's in like other DC comics as well. I'm, uh, I'm not. I'm not 100 percent sure. I think he his... might be. 
I could yeah. see where he might have shown up in like Hellblazer or something like that, but please right. don't. I'm sure there's I'm sure there's comic book people screaming at their phones right now as they listen to this, and I'm sorry. Right, <laughs> he, he's called like Doctor Burgess or I think something like that. I, I I could be really wrong. I don't know, but um, yeah. So he's trying he's trying to bring back his dead son. Uh, who he lost in the war, uh, First World War, right? Yes. Yeah, because yes. he gets captured in 1917, if I'm correct. Yeah. So he's trying to bring back his son uh, that was uh, that died during the war, and he was a adversary uh, contemporary of Aleister Crowley. So basically, yes. just think of him like that, you know, uh, and he did manage to find this book of magic and find this summoning spell, which he thought to summon death. And it really summoned dream instead. And no matter what he did over the course of his lifetime, he couldn't get dream to cooperate with him, which is really like a comparison of of dreams just in your life, right? You can't. It's very hard. I shouldn't say you can't, but it's very hard to get dreams to do what you want them to do, right? They just kind of happen, and you can't yeah. put them in a bottle. And f- you first of all, you can't put them in a bottle and save them. You know, they, they fade away. And you can't get them to do what you want to do unless you're doing some kind of active dreaming situation or, you know, anything like that. But, I mean, it is how we fight our dreams it is how we fight our desires and stuff like that we can lock it in a cage but we can never necessarily get it to do we can't fight reality eventually we have to face it and um yeah you you kind of feel for him on the one hand because he's clearly in a state of grief but the way that he treats his other son and yeah, what he does to dream and everything, he's clearly a horrible person. But he's oh, also yeah, he's, a human he's being. Shit. Yeah. You know. He's awful. Right. All of it comes from trauma, though, right? He's just responding to trauma in, like, the worst way. You know, like... Starting a secret society in your own house. I mean, yeah. I guess that's the way to cope. Yeah. Well, I mean, he was already kind of on that path before that, though. Yeah. He, I think they said that he was a rival of yeah. Alistair Crowley. So. Right. So he's probably been doing um, and that... I, Go ahead. And I gotta say, like all of that, like I just I love that they kept with the with the Aleister Crowley r- references and and all of that. So yeah. anyway, sorry that was just like a nerd moment. Right. <laughs> so we go from the whole captivity, and that was pretty much what like the first two episodes, or was it just mostly the first one? I think it was the first two. Yeah. Because like uh, Roderick Burgess ends up dying. Yeah. So like, and then his son takes over, and he tries to kind of do the same thing that his dad was doing, and you know, yeah, Dream just isn't doing that. And so another great actor gets introduced in the series, David Lewis, who like is just the best. David Lewis. He's like he's just like one of my favorite actors ever, and like anything he shows up in, and he just kills it. He played he played that line of menacing and insane really really well that you want in a villain where he he's he's uh mad 
and then gets to a point where he sees things clearly and gets his purpose and and like and his purpose is completely insane that entire episode in the diner oh it was so good right you're like watching that i i love some of the bottle episodes in the show those are my favorites like like the one in hell the one in the diner were like two of my favorites where they were very much contained and you could watch them separately from like the rest of the show you can get what's going on instantly even if you don't have a lot of the backstory and enjoy it as just that and for just for the performances that happen <clears throat> excuse me and and that diner scene was just it reminded me a lot of uh no exit by john paul sartre and um where his idea of being in hell is just having a diverse group of people in a room locked together for an eternity Mm-hmm. And and like seeing what happens, and um, so yeah, it, I I got so many uh, I got so many impressions and feelings of other works watching this. Um, another one that kept hitting me a lot, of course, the the Game of Thrones one, just because there were some actors and because of the whole like family dynamic that's going on between the endless. But oh yes, also. And I mean this, I don't mean this in a, um, I don't mean this in a demeaning way at all, but this is one of the queerest shows I've ever seen on TV. One of the queerest, one of the queerest. And I mean that in the best way possible, just as a description, it depicts queerness. You know what I mean? Uh, openly and frequently and and deals with it and like it's a reality and you just kind of got to deal with it and i and i I like that it's it's maybe uncomfortable for some people but it's just what it is you know and it just throws it at you it kept reminding me a lot of sense8 did you watch did you watch sense8 kelly i love sense8 oh yeah sense8 i have i have watched several times i i'm a huge fan of sense8 i loved sense8 i love sense8 so much and that was done by the wachowski siblings who you know um did the matrix and a a lot of other great movies but um sense8 got canceled another it was on netflix right was it on it was, Netflix? Yeah, it was on Netflix, and um, it, after season two, it got canceled, but then they decided to do, like, that two-hour movie thing to yes. kind of, like, wrap everything up, and, like, yes. and like one of the reasons, I, and this was, like, something I remember reading was, like, it was canceled because of the production cost, because, like, they were actually filming... <laughs> in locations. In, yeah. In all of these locations, <laughs> yeah. so it's like, okay, we gotta be in India now, now we gotta be in Africa, now we gotta be in the United States, now we gotta, yeah. you know... In yeah. Germany um, and then back to India again. It's like, damn. Yeah. yeah. I mean, there, oh my God. But yeah, Sensate was absolutely amazing. But, but yeah, I totally understand what you're saying with that. The um, person that played Desire, um, I believe their name is Mason Alexander Parks. Yes. And they, fabulous, were amazing as Desire. Like when, when they first were on screen, I was like, <gasps> Yeah. Yes, mm-hmm. yeah. you are exactly what I envisioned. You walked right out of the page, um, yeah. and just their mannerisms, their yes. voice, yes. Ah, 
everything. Ugh, yeah. But you know, it was disappointing <laughs> me. I totally, I totally, one hundred percent agree with you um, about Desire. Wonderful. Didn't get enough of it. You know, I didn't get enough of it. I, I wanted more. If, if that's, look, I know what you're saying. It's building. Maybe I, I, I. Stop reading I'm my not, mind. I'm not reading your mind. You're reading my mind. I'm not reading your mind. You're too. But what I'm saying is, they're building it up probably to be a overarching thing. You know, a villain over over the course of the series how many ever seasons it goes on but i also oh, have yeah. to, i also have to keep myself in the real world and remember things like sense eight that were wonderful and it has dude netflix will just cancel something at the drop of a hat you know what i mean so like if if you've got the big guns i need them now because i doubt in any series I watch, I doubt I'm ever going to see a satisfying conclusion to it, especially when it's on Netflix, because Netflix and DC and Warner Brothers all have a annoying habit of being fickle as hell and dropping something when they're just done with it. See Batgirl. Oh, wait. Oh, wait. Oh, wait. <laughs> you, can't. you can't. And you yeah, never will be, I probably. Right? So, like... It, they made an entire movie and spent nine, $90 million on it and just decided, oh, it has nothing to do with the quality of it. We're just not going to show it to you. So, like, they could shoot a whole other season of The Sandman. It could be in the can, done, in post-production, and they could just decide, eh, not going to show it to you. You know what I mean? So I see a yeah. wonderful character like Desire and some weaker characters that were in there that really they could have done away with. I want more Desire. <laughs> I desire yeah. more Desire. Yeah, I mean, I understand why they weren't in it as much because, yes. I mean, desire and despair, and that's the thing with the endless, though, even with dream, like, you'll read several issues and dream won't even be there, but he's mm. always in the background. Mm. It's the same thing with desire and despair, and that's what the whole thing with the endless, though. Is that they're always kind of there, even right. if you don't see them. But it it but it does draw to a larger arc, which you're right. I'm hoping we'll be able to see it. But yeah, you're right. They may be like, well, do do do. We'll do you know two seasons, and then oh, it's too expensive. Neil Gaiman said looked at us wrong way, so now I don't want to do it anymore. <laughs> I like, know. <laughs> you know, I, oh, yeah. I, it would be that is Netflix ad. Just like, Ugh, I don't like that. I'm just not gonna play anymore. I'm going home. I feel like yeah. I have like. PTSD from the shows that I've loved <laughs> that have been canceled and I have trauma I have trauma <laughs> I, I get involved in these stories I get really involved and the least little thing can like pull me out because when I'm watching these new myths and that's what they are these are these are artists that are creating new myths and and these are our our, our current tellings of morality and all those kind of things that were told you know maybe back in the day by like philosophers and clergy and like things like that and people in power but now are you know told by uh, movie makers and writers and things like that and people like George Lucas are creating new myths with like Star Wars and like the Marvel superheroes the DC superheroes these are new myths that are like teaching us about morality and life lessons and things like that. These are the, the new Greek gods and things like that, right? And I can get 
I, I put myself in these worlds and I can get so traumatized when they just get canceled like that and I don't get a resolution. And then you ask me to start another one that I might possibly love and it makes me so apprehensive when I know that real world shit might come into it and it might get yeah. canceled, right? No, I totally, I get it. Like this show, like it really spoke to me and I really hope that they have more seasons of this because like this was ultra ultra satisfying let's talk about tom sturridge we haven't talked about him enough well we haven't talked about him at all <laughs> um perfect casting dude. as dream right Neil Gaiman they, grew, just created they this dude. grew him in a lab <laughs> yes they were like this this they were like this child will someday play dream and <laughs> right. the sandman like seriously this is exactly what He's perfect. I, I pictured, you know, in my head of what he would look like in live action. Oh, my God. Yeah. Dude, his hair. I love it. His He's hair, perfect. his mannerisms, how yeah. he speaks, like, yeah. everything is 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 dream. Even uh, even down to, like, the un, like how, how he can just be kind of, like, unfeeling and cold. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yes. yes. And that's, I mean, that's the nature of kind of his position and being one of the endless. But, like it he he does change and that's like a whole theme towards the end of the show um especially dealing with like galt and things like that is that like he he's right to a point where he needs to be this force of nature with rules that keeps things in order otherwise there'll be chaos like i get his point to all of that but also it's okay for things to change and for that change to be the new normal. And that's kind of a theme in this whole show with a lot of the characters is they experience trauma, they're afraid of change, but they need to come to accept this new normal. It's the whole episode with death, you know, and like, that was a great how can you do this? Well, you know, they help me, I help them. We're dealing with this whole thing together it's just a part of life, but it's also not the end. You know, there's there's yes. more to it than all of this. I like the different perspective on death. Like, just like, you know, instead of like being extremely tragic, it was rather sweet. Mm-hmm. Like, it was just a different point of view. And I like this entire series does that. And I just appreciate it so much. Yeah, we were having a discussion during that that episode. And I was like, that's death. And yeah. you, were, you were like, no, that's destiny. And I'm like... I'm pretty sure that's death. <laughs> and, and and the story proved me right. I'm not gloating or anything. But it was questionable because they were alluding to what that character was. Yeah, and it could have been yeah. Destiny. Like, I mean, it was like, well, it could it have been. been. No, but I'm like, you know what, dude? Death, like, it was just awesome because she's always traveling. Like, I love that. Like, it's constantly. just constantly. <laughs> yeah. And it's just like, you know, I get to be the last smiling face I get to see. And, you know, and it's like, I just love that. Yeah, it's really cool. That episode... So the last time I came on here, I talked about how just Stranger Things made me cry. Mm. So the Sound of Her Wings episode, like, cried through that whole damn episode. One, not just because of the themes of it, but two, it was right out of the pages. And it was just so beautifully done. Yes. But yes, I love that perspective of death because... You know, Dream was, you know, having this, like, do I even want to do this anymore? Being, you know, all emo. And, and you know, she said, I even thought about giving up. Yeah. But, you know, I don't, I can change. I don't have to be this 
you know, harbinger of like awful that people see me as mm -hmm. like I can I can, you know, guide them through it and, you know, and I can help them. They can help me. Yeah. And, you know, and it was that reminder, too. And that was one of the things I really love was like a thread through this whole thing of like. The endless exist because we do not right. the other way around. Right. <laughs> and that's the point that they make that they're not gods. Yeah. Right. And well, and the thing is, too, is that that was the other thing, like one of the, like one of the most like painful lines in the whole thing is when he runs into Nada and he says, it's been 10,000 years and she looks crestfallen and he says, of course, I still love you, right. but I haven't yet forgiven you. That is like one of the most human things ever. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Really to like is. still love someone, but not be able to forgive them. And also just to all of us to be able to look at him and be like, dude, you're a dick. Yeah. <laughs> like, <laughs> you know? Yeah. So, yeah. He, he does. Tom Sturge, before we get off him, he just does just i just got one little complaint he does one weird little face that he makes a lot he does this mouth breathing face where he's got like <laughs> duck lips going on to zoolander but, yes. but but also his mouth open at the same time <laughs> just a little bit and it's the weirdest face he's like doing a mouth breathing duck lips thing and I like Ah! <laughs> it's just, it's like, it, it just was like bothering me a lot but like he's perfect My he's wonderful uh, i'm totally jealous of him he looks amazing like whatever he's My perfect casting was yeah, my husband the whole time was like, his mouth is too small. <laughs> it is. It's weirdly small. I'm like, how can you command an entire realm with that small little mouth? <laughs> I'm sorry. No, I'm not going to get that out of my head. <laughs> little tiny dainty little lips. I couldn't I deal with it. I liked his cute little lips. But then close your mouth. <laughs> Don't make me look at your little mouth. <laughs> I'd rather look at uh, the mask. the Corinthians' eyes and look at his mouth. So, his anyway, teeth eyes. you know what? Before we get into the Corinthian, let's take a break. Uh, we're running along. Let's take a break. We'll be right back after this with some Corinthian talk. Can't wait for that because Boyd Holbrook is amazing. No small lips oh, on him. Oh my goodness, yes. <laughs> <laughs> we'll be back right after this. This episode of Radio Free Galaxy is brought to you by Mr. T's Knuckle Shoes. They're the only brass knuckle shoes on the market for when pitying a fool ain't quite enough. Mr. T's Knuckle Shoes. Get some. Okay, back on Radio Free Galaxy, episode 114. We are still talking about <coughs> the Sandman guy, Kelly and Christine and Travis here. We're just going to run through some of the rest of the characters that were in the show so we don't forget anybody. I'm just going basically right through the IMDb uh, cast list. But but next we got to get to Boyd Holbrook, uh, the Corinthian. I remember the first time that I recognized Boyd Holbrook in a film, and that was Logan. He was in Logan, and he was absolutely menacing mm -hmm. in that movie. And he was great, loved him, heard he was in this, and I'm like, 100%, anything that he's in. And he was everything 
in this show. Just that constant presence in the background that isn't necessarily the ultimate villain, but is a clear and present danger. And then weirdly at the end, they gave him (coughs) this like kind of this sympathy for you to like just deal with with him. And that was uncomfortable as hell. Mm-hmm. But cool, <laughs> you know. Um, and those eyes, the teeth eyes. <laughs> like I, I don't know. I remember looking in a, I think it was a Wizard or an Image uh, magazine back in the day. One of them had cards, and one of them had comic books. But I remember that image um, of him with the eyes and smiling was a big promo for Sandman for a really long time because it is so creepy. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's one of the things I can say about this series. You know, you talk about how, like, this was the time to release it. Most definitely because the technology mm-hmm. has caught up with the comic book. Yeah. Because I don't know if you could have had the Corinthian this way in, say, the mid-90s, early mm-hmm. 2000s. <laughs> like, I think, I, I don't know if it would have worked or not. Um, yeah. as with a lot of the characters. Um, I agree. I, I mean, I think of Mervin. Like, mm-hmm. how would that have worked in 1995? It wouldn't have. <laughs> you know? right. We'd be looking at a Street Fighter Part Two movie, and it would have been real bad. By the way, yeah. Merv, Merv uh, voiced <coughs> by Mark Hamill. Yep. Yes. Yeah. Wonderfully. Yeah. Wonderfully. And and Mervin sound ex- sounded exactly. Yeah. How I always imagined imagined <laughs> him to sound. That's that was what was crazy. I was right. like, oh my god. Right. It, so yeah. Because Mark Hamill's a great voice actor, yep. and he probably did his research and probably really put his all into it because that's mm-hmm. what he does. So I would fully mm-hmm. expect that from him. But yeah, the Corinthian. They didn't overuse the eyes, uh, but they always had them there with the sunglasses and the menacing mm-hmm. of it. You knew what was behind them. But that's also like kind of a analogy for the rest of him too. You know what I mean? Yes. Like he's living behind <laughs> those sunglasses, and he there's so much more to that character. It has so many levels. He's not just a straight, cold-blooded killer. Uh, there is so much more to it, and I think we're gonna if we get more seasons of this, we're gonna have more Corinthian. You know, what I want to see more of huh. Cain and Abel. Cain and Abel. Those oh two are so adorable. <laughs> and their new gargoyle Goldie is so fucking cute. I I love that whole charmed, like, you know, Cain and Abel story brought in mm-hmm. to the dream world. Like it is like they're constantly killing each other. Yeah. <laughs> they're the yeah. Team, but they're the, so cute. Yeah, the first murderer, the first victim. Yeah. yeah um that that was really great. So I have to get to one of my first complaints that I had with the show. Um, love Patton Oswald. Don't love Patton Oswald in this show. Don't love Patton Oswald as a raven. I'm sorry. Took oh. me out of the. Took me out of the show. Took me out of the feeling because all I'm hearing is Patton Oswald. You know what I mean? And like. He's been doing a lot of voice acting lately. Yeah. He's been showing up in a lot of properties. And I am easily thrown out of something when you do something like that. Now, contrast that with Merv and Mark Hamill. And it's not instantly recognizable that that's Mark Hamill. Because Mm -hmm. he's doing a voice. He's doing a voice. He's voice acting. Okay? And Patton Oswalt is just doing Patton Oswalt. (laughs) You know? And I'm... 
it threw me off. I, I know they're kind of playing it for comedy a little bit, but when it's not a comedic scene, it doesn't play for me. It doesn't play. Am I wrong? No, you're not 100% wrong. But also, like, this series put me right back in the 90s when I was a real goth kid. And that kind of crass character that kind of sticks out of nowhere kind of worked for me in this series. Yeah. So, yeah, yeah I know Pat Oswald has done a lot of voice acting. But I'm like... Yeah, like a dirty, crude, not like particularly posh character being put next to, you know, Dream, you know, you know, the Endless, who is just always so serious. I think I think it worked. Yeah, I I actually am on the other end of it. Uh, <laughs> I I really like Pat Oswalt as yeah. Matthew. Yeah. It it worked for me. And I knew I mean, like I knew instantly it was Pat Oswalt. I was like, right. ooh. Yeah. But because but because Matthew is more of that comedic role, yeah. th- to me, it worked for me. Right. It's it's the, fine. Yeah. It's the, fine. <coughs> no, the I char- get what you're saying. Yeah. The character that I kind of was like, was Joanna Constantine. Really? What? It, really? Okay. Okay. The reason for it is because... In the comics, it's John Constantine yes. that does that whole sequence. Right. I wanted to see John Constantine. Now, do I think that the actress did a great job as Joanna Constantine? Yes. Yeah. Did I think that whole thing was really well done? Yes. But in, but like my heart was like, but I kind of wanted John Constantine. But at the end of the day, I was I was okay with it. So I. I see where you're com I see where you're coming from. I understand the disappointment. Believe me, I've been there. It was like for me as a super big Marvel fan in the first Avengers movie, which I really don't care for. Um, a lot of people love. I really don't care for it. And one of my biggest reasons is the Chitari. You know what I mean? They just kind of made garbage. they made up an alien race when Marvel has such a wide <laughs> variety of alien races that they could have used mm-hmm. the brood uh the Cree, the scrolls i can go on and on but they just made some shit up and i'm like the fuck is the chatari mm-hmm. i'm like maybe it's some new shit in marvel that just came out but like i don't know what the fuck a chatari is and it showed up in my avengers movie and i've been waiting for an avengers movie my whole life and it's basically probably how you felt when you saw this and you're like the <laughs> fuck out of here with this I was going to say, like, um, I was kind of expecting uh, Keanu Reeves to show up because he played John right, Constantine. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And this and that would have been like, that. Uh, that would have been rad. But it's like, I, I was fine with the role. that. But I was like, wait, isn't that John Constantine? Because like I was thinking yeah. DC and it's like, OK, they made a woman. That's totally fine. But I was like, if they would have Keanu just show up, I would have been totally happy with that. Probably just didn't well, have the rights. And Joanna Constantine, she is a character right. in, right. Um, I want to say it's The Doll's House, or is it in the third one? I can't remember. But she she is there. So yeah. that's where I was just kind of like, okay, and I actually had to look it up because I was like, wait a minute, hang on, am I? And I was like, oh, yeah, no, no, no. Um, but yeah, that was, that was like my only thing where I was like, well. And then I, that's when I was just like, oh, I wonder if it's a rights issue. It, it it more you than know. likely is because if you have the ability to use John Constantine, you you're gonna do it. 
You know what I mean? Like, you're going to do it. If you have the ability to use a popular, cool character like that, you're going to do it. If you have the rights, they probably didn't have the rights. Or they just didn't want another blonde dude walking around because technically the John Constantine from the comic books is also a blonde dude that wears a trench coat. Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, I did. I mean, there. I don't get me wrong. I do have an appreciation that they were like, oh, okay. They're you know they they're making a woman the you know devil hunter. That's yeah. really cool. Yeah. <laughs> also, I thought that whole scene was really. I mean, the whole scene really that whole episode. It's kind of filler for me. It really didn't serve the purpose of the entire story for me at all. I would. I could cut out that whole. That well, whole episode. I mean, I know they were, you know, it it preludes into hell, but I mean, I thought it was pretty weak for for overall serving the entire season of the story. You know, you know the story that you're trying to tell. You could cut out that whole thing, and really, it would still kind of be the same story <laughs> in the same series. I think it was just a character introduction to yeah. show that, you know, there is yeah. a Constantine right. that is a right. magic, you know, demon, you know. It's like we we can't do a yeah. Sandman story without having Yeah, a she does exit. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So that's and why it's And you there. have to get the sand back, you right. know. That right. was right. <laughs> that right. was like I, one of Yeah. 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 I, I don't know. Anyway, uh let's get somebody I did not have a problem with and that's Lucian. 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 Uh, played by. I know it's always like, is it Constantine? Is it Constantine? I, I know. know it's all over. <laughs> um, played by. I'm gonna probably butcher her name, but I'm gonna try my best. Okay, her name is Vivian Akiampong. Okay, something like that. Akiampong. That sounds pretty. Akiampong. Something that's like right. I it, beautiful. It's that beautiful actress name. so wonderful. That character wonderful. Heartbreaking towards the end when. Um, when dream kind of dismisses her dismisses her and it it's very much the um same feeling when he dismissed the dude that he's keeping alive uh what what is that character's name sorry the one he meets every 100 years oh shoot i can't think of his name yeah oh i can't think of his name either but that was a great that was, was a great episode, great episode. <laughs> that was a really but- really good episode yeah. I mean, in the end, when he's working on his new dreams and nightmares, he's like, Lucien, if you, you know, if you're looking after things, that's cool. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but yeah. Just wonderful. A- amazing. A- amazing character. Well, well done. Well played. Ugh, yeah. Again. Yeah. What I expected Lucien to, to be. Yeah. <laughs> um. I'm I'm gonna get to my next two complaints in the next two actors right away. Um, I don't want I don't want to do it, but to me they just didn't meet the bar that the other actors in the show were setting. Um, and for me, that was Rose and Lyda. Uh, didn't really dig either one of their performances. Lyda, I just didn't think was a very good actor at all for this series. Didn't fit the feeling of the show for me, what she was doing with her role. And also Rose. I'm sure she would be fine in other things. um, But I just... There was something about her performance that was taking me out of the scenes with these metaphysical 
and and fantastic situations and characters that we're dealing with. And I know she's supposed to be so grounded and kind of a fish out of water and everything, but um, I just didn't feel enough from her. I didn't feel enough from her. I didn't get. It was very much for me. Without being dismissive, but it really was for me like kind of community theater. I didn't I didn't feel like it lived up to the standard that you have too many other great actors in this role just in this story just killing it. You know, I actually didn't see it that way. So just hear me out. Yeah. So you have your gods, you have your endless, and then you just have mortals, yeah. regular people. And I thought just as regular people, I thought they, the contrast between both of them really worked. So you had like, you know, the eloquence of dream and like, you know, Lucifer Morningstar and, you know, Cain and Abel doing their thing. And then you come to the real world and this is kind of how people act right. in that way. And it's like, and I'm kind of okay with just mortals being mortals and the, you know, gods being gods. I'm there with you, Christine, but what I, what, <laughs> rips me out is when I don't feel like you're portraying the role I feel like you're reading the lines a lot of times I felt her reading the lines and going through the motions and not being the character when you meet Cain and Abel and other and Desire and characters like that they're just that character like Desire was just fucking Desire there was no question about it she was acting their role feeling the role face acting it, it emotion act it there's so much more to acting than just reciting your lines oh you have to be it yeah like there's no question that desire like no one can hold a candle toward it the the, the difference between voice or uh, face acting between like boyd holbrook and tom sturridge some tom sturridge was great but like boyd holbrook his face acting without eyes was on a whole nother level and granted he had to do that because he didn't have eyes but, like, he did that, you know? And I didn't feel that from from some of the characters, not just her, but some of the characters staying in that weird B&B as well, which was fun and weird and, and funny. But also, yeah. at the same time, those actors were not up to some of the par. They, they, were, they were very much in a different show than the one I was watching the rest of the time. So I, I don't want to shit on it too much it wasn't it just didn't for me feel as natural as some of the actors in there um unity kincaid she was great we got very little of her i love the threads that were the way the show was written where they didn't like give you a bunch of exposition just like hidden things from other scenes in the beginning of the show would show up later on and just mm -hmm. like interweave that was really great storytelling it was amazing um oh yeah you like when i went back and watched it the second time i was like oh i i missed that like oh that's really good like i mean i i'm at an advantage because i read the comics and you know and then i watched it twice but yeah but yeah there there was a lot of that that was just really <laughs> it was so good yeah um that 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 whole houseful that that b&b &B, though it, it was wonderful it was wonderful dude um yeah i thought we got maybe one too many of the drag scenes with hal there was three musical numbers 
with that character. I don't know if that character deserved three. I mean, it's a great character, great actor, but in a in a ten episode series, do you think you deserve three musical numbers? To me, that was a little excessive. When it got to the third one, for me, even though I thought they were all great, in terms of just the overall story, I thought it was a little excessive to do it again. Hmm. You know, I you lose know. the I impact. Didn't, I didn't really, I didn't really have a problem with it, um, largely just because that was because when it showed up, like it showed up first in reality. Yeah. And then you get his story about how, like, I would sell his house and move back to New York tomorrow if Broadway called. And then, you know, you see it in and then you see it in the dreaming. And I think you see it in the dreaming. I don't know. It, to me, it, to me, it made sense. Um, you know what have done it for me, know. though, Kelly, is, yeah, you're telling me that you're you want to be on Broadway. Then show me in the dream of you doing a scene from a Broadway show. You know, like, let me see a scene from the Broadway show instead of the same thing that you were doing in the drag show, which you actually tell me that you don't actually want to be doing. Yeah. You know, you actually want to be on Broadway. Yeah. Well, I think, well, one of them was his many faces. Yeah. Right. You know, so I don't know. To me, to me, it served a purpose. I I mean, I was I was okay with it. Mm -hmm. But Yeah. Yeah, I thought it worked for it, but I mean, if you like put it in the perspective, oh, okay, there's three scenes for a small character that may or may not show up in the other series, I can get it, but like, yeah, it didn't bother me. I thought you do the one, you do the real life one, you do the dream one with the many faces, which I get the storytelling purpose of that. And then if you're going to have a third one, maybe have him actually in his dream in his favorite production, you know, playing the lead yeah. role in his favorite production or something. That's really his dream. Yeah. You know, he's just doing the B&B and the drag show as kind of a, well, I'm in Florida and this is what, you know, this is how I can be me here. But what I really want to do is be on Broadway. So here's me in Hamilton or what, I you know, whatever. Yeah. <laughs> so I, I don't know. But I, I did like all those characters. The um the twins, what, what are their names? Ethel and Zelda and Zelda. Excellent. Excellent. Barbie and Ken. Great, uh, oh Hal. So funny, Hal. I did love Hal so much. He's like the friend we all want. Um, that was like the most accepting and awesome amount of friends in a house that were like always like looking to help like yeah. one another. Like it was great. <laughs> like it's like oh here, let us help you find your little brother. Let me take yeah. a stack. Like I'm like oh my god, this is so sweet. Yeah, um, Stephen Fry as <sighs> Gilbert was yes as fiddler's green fiddler's green oh my god what a performance in the time that he was given in the screen time that he was given the performance that he put on the presence that he had on the screen was just awesome he's so charming i love him like anytime he shows up in anything like i'm a big sherlock holmes fan Mm -hmm. and he is in the second movie and he's just he's so witty he's so english but he's like old school english so like him playing like a victorian era just like englishman in modern day is just i love him so much and that's kind of the problem that i'm talking about with rose when they're driving together in the car and he's doing stephen fry and she's doing rose it's not almost it's almost not even her fault but she's acting against stephen fry 
a legendary yeah. actor. Well, you yes, know, and, yes. and, and if you don't rise up to meet that, like as a, as a film fan, as a TV, I'm, I'm going to notice that, you know? Yeah. I was going to say like, um, off that, like I didn't know the character Fiddler's Green, but the idea that Stephen Fry is actually like the meadows and the grass and the trees. And I'm like, he's got that soothing voice that I could listen to if he was like doing National Geographic or some kind of mm-hmm. like <laughs> watching animals thing and being totally cool with listening and just being relaxed by all his words. I'm like, oh my God, that kind of actually makes me want to cry a little bit because like that is such perfect casting for him. Beautiful. It was beautiful. It was beautiful. His whole story was beautiful. I loved it so much. Um, let's get to it. Gwendolyn Christie, oh, Lucifer, God. Morningstar, Kelly, Fuck, Kelly, man. Kelly, go yeah, ahead. Go. Start us off. Oh my God. Okay. So, A Hope in Hell. <laughs> <laughs> this was one of my favorite episodes, probably next to the sound of her wings. Yeah. Um, one of the things that I one of the things I thought was cool <laughs> was that they did keep with like the the Alistair Crowley nod to Karanzan. Mm-hmm. Um but in in the comic book, what Dream has to do is he actually has to battle Karanzan. It's not um it's not Lucifer standing in his stead. However, I thought that this change to having it be against Dream and Lucifer worked so damn well. And Gwendolyn Christie, like, her facial expressions were just yeah. perfect. Face acting. Just, um, yeah. just just everything like how her mannerisms how she carried herself um just and i hope her pronouns are she i'm sorry if they're not i might be screwing that up um but um yeah it was that that whole uh, that yeah. that whole episode was just amazing and yeah her as lucifer morningstar was just some of the best casting i know some people were like bent out of shape about it but i was just like what (laughs) yeah like it's perfect (laughs) yeah no it's it's perfect it was when you think of the devil as the ultimate adversary that's what the the devil character and myth is supposed to be is the adversary um perfect just perfect but like one of the things i said when we were watching it like the way she ruled hell was perfect too I was like, lawful evil, lawful evil. That's it right there. Dude, she's like the female Charles <laughs> dance. And like, yeah. it's just like, she's menacing. She's always like 20 steps ahead of you. I loved how she was holding her hands like the entire time. Mm-hmm. Like, like she will fuck you up if you even try anything or she might be humored by it. But like, it was just perfect to see her like that. And that game between her and Dream. The battle of wits. Like, oh my God. Like, uh... This is kind of a weird reference when I thought about that. So there's a Disney movie called The Sorcerer and the Stone, and they do a battle of wits where they do, like, animals and creatures. I'm like, oh, dude, that's so cool. And then when I saw this, I'm like, oh, my God. Like, an actual battle of wits using, like, their imagination to basically kick each other's ass. And I'm like... I like this is like the best magic fight I've ever seen. Like that and like the <laughs> depiction of hell. Like holy fuck. Like hell looks awesome. 
Got an awesome door to her palace. <laughs> Dude, yeah, like... Oh, it's so metal. It was one of the most metal like depictions of hell I've ever seen. Yes. I was so there for it. I was like, dude, Slayer should be playing here. I mean, this is it. <laughs> yeah, Slayer just where's, hangs where's out outside. Where's Vecna? <laughs> yeah, <right>. Dude. <laughs> no, like, Gwendolyn dude. Christie would mess up Vecna, man. Gwendolyn Christie right? just... Oh, my God. Dude, I loved her great. outfits. They're so simple. Like, yeah. I was like obsessed like, I'm like wow this is like the simplest but cleanest thing because mm-hmm. if you're lawful evil you gotta dress the part and right. like her outfit was just gorgeous elegant classy but not showy and over dramatic yes. like her the whole thing about her power is that it's there you know it's there and she doesn't have to show it all the yes. time She's the fucking devil. She's not a demon. She's not some out of control, chaotic, neutral character. She's lawful evil. And she, you know, she's the ruler of hell and she knows it. But once in a while, she has to assert herself. And you're right, Kelly. Her face acting was on some other level, dude. It was amazing. Oh, it, was, it was amazing. <laughs> and my, my husband was, he was just like, because, you know, dream walks out of hell, you know. And yeah. And Chris was just like, why wasn't Lucifer able to stop him? And I was like, because she said right in the beginning, there are protocols that will be followed. And I said, and if she didn't let him leave, then the protocols would not be followed. Which, if you look in the mythology of, like, uh, you know, Pluto and Hades, um, Mm. the story of Arishkagal and Inanna, the you know the the rules of hell are perfect and shall not be questioned right so i i, I love how they i love how gaiman just echoes all of that shit it's yeah. awesome and nerdy yeah. and i love it yeah yeah <laughs> there's there's a lot of of myth put in there a lot of religion and then a lot of also like role-playing D stuff yeah i also felt a lot of I felt some Dante's Inferno going Mm -hmm. in, like, when he got Mm -hmm. to the gates of hell and all the procedures. Like, I don't know. I was eating all this up, and I honestly (laughs) could have stayed in hell for a while. I'm like, okay, this is speaking to me on, like, the levels. Like, play some Robert Smith for me because, like, I'm sold. (laughs) Play some Slayer, man. Play some fucking Slayer because that's what I was feeling there. Um, The the fates um, were amazing. The Hecate. Hecate. Yeah. Yeah, um, they were wonderful. Mm-hmm. I, and that I whole did, scene ugh, when he was bringing them their gifts and asking the oh, questions. Ugh, yeah. So good. Yeah, the way they were depicted, the way they answered the questions was just amazing and beautiful. And then when Rose went to them, too, um, or when, when they came to Rose, really, or the other way, I don't even know how I am, but they whatever. Came to Rose. Yeah, yeah. Um, that, that was really good. Uh, they were fun. Uh, Galt heartbreaking performance by her her name is Anne Agbamo 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 Anne Agbamo played Galt she was absolutely heartbreaking loved that performance uh the whole story of Galt and the and the and when you know he recreates her and gives her wings yeah beautiful Mm -hmm. love that so much says so much about him and everything we mentioned Cain and Abel I I can't say anything more about them. They were so good. They were so adorable. Oh, that was yeah. great. No, um, I hated the whole thing with Gregory. That's something yeah. that doesn't happen in the comics, but that yeah. was another like really heartbreaking moment. But it was one of those things that was added that w- I was just like, 
oh no that that's a real cool addition yeah. to it yeah and also i mean it it also speaks to like witchcraft stuff like if you're going to go to the crossroads you need to be bringing offerings with you and i was yep. just kind of like oh yeah that's okay <laughs> that's right that's very cool stuff i loved it um the serial killers the whole serial <laughs> oh killer God, convention? that was the crazy. collectors yes. that was great I, uh, I love how that shit ended yeah. oh my god i love how that ended yeah the oh. resolution to that was really cool because you, you don't know exactly where they're going with it is the corinthian gonna raise this whole army is like this gonna be his army and he's gonna go after people or what what's going on here and for it to get resolved how it got resolved was I was going to say, through this entire series, the resolves are so much of what we're not used to anymore. We're mm. like, uh, most shows show people overreacting or on their phones or like very visceral, like, you know, disturbed ways to like, ha- like bad ways to handle things. Yeah. In this series, there's, there's a lot of listening. And when something bad does happen, like there's a lot of like talking through it and going yes. through that. Yes. I there's love a lot of that, I, like, especially with death, like there's a lot of That's going a through really that. good point, Christine. I wanted to make that point while I was watching this show. That's one of the biggest points I wanted to make. This show resolves so many conflicts and even between dream and the devil by talking through your shit. You know what I mean? So much of everything in this show happens in dialogue. In in dialogue, in well-written dialogue, and, and great acting performances, not with CGI. You know? And yes. that you know, so when they have a chance to do the CGI, they do it and it's beautiful most of the time. There's some wonky stuff, but it's beautiful most of the time and it has the impact for you. Like when um, Gilbert turns into the, you know, into the green and you're like, oh, that was gorgeous. You know, what a beautiful moment. Um, but so much happens between this wonderful dialogue between characters. Yeah. Like, for instance, with um, David Thewlis's character, instead yeah. of Dream killing him, he's like, I'm sorry, this was never your fault. Yeah. You know, and he puts him back in, you know, the psych ward but he he doesn't beat him up he doesn't try to kill him there's no armies being summoned from the sky like it's just very like you know we're gonna talk through this and this is the resolve we're gonna have but there's just no like i don't know where everyone else is going to just get a reaction out of you i really liked that about this series like it Um, stayed true to the like uh to the stories kirby howell baptiste is the actor that played death I have to mention their name because that was a wonderful episode, a yes. wonderful performance. It's a wonderful character. Just... Yeah, she she played de- again. It was the you played death exactly how yeah. I thought she would be played, like how she moved, how she mm-hmm. spoke, like all mm-hmm. all of that. It was just it was so good. Yeah. Um, I think we got most of the major characters. Um, is there Ethel. Any... Ethel, absolutely. Um, I mean, there's a lot of... There's, there's some minor characters that we didn't get to. Does anybody want to mention anybody that we didn't? Uh, Mazakin, the second-in-command to Lucifer Morningstar. 
Oh, yes. Absolutely. Yeah. I don't really know what uh, her story is, but somehow she must have been like some warrior in battle at some point or in this story. I don't know if it's like based off a real character or something that Neil Gaiman came up with. But I was like, okay, she's really cool looking. Like half her face is missing and it's like she's just kind of the, you know, the right hand, you know, lady for uh, Lucifer to do the things that's just like she doesn't have to anymore. Right. We only got a few minutes left, but um, is there anybody else you want to hit that we didn't get to, Kelly? Uh, um, I think we pretty much got everyone. Yeah, not that not that I can not that I can think of. Yeah. I think we hit all of the major, all the majors, all so of the major ones. <laughs> let, let's get to our favorite episodes, favorite moments, Christine. Well, yeah, that would be Lucifer Morningstar's episode that. Yeah episode like i could watch so much more of that version of hell and the things that go on with that because like at the end when um those creatures out of that void in space were like acknowledging azazel uh was like saying like hey we should take over all the other realms to make hell bigger and you know lucifer's kind of defeated but still has to show some pose because she's in her red red robes from her sleeping robes. her sleeping robes which are fucking uncreased and beautiful but like the whole talking teeth with eyes i'm like oh my god this is like every top cow like comic book i ever read in the 90s coming to life because <laughs> i love unseen entities that are just these big cheshire grinning mouths like with a bunch of teeth and eyes and i'm like yes i want to see the legion the collective come out of this like that i'm excited for that that was, I think that was my favorite episode too. Um, I really loved the death episode too, um, and the the um, I I can't I'm sorry I can't remember the names of all of them, but you know what I'm talking about. And the cafe, the um, restaurant episode was not my favorite, but so creative, uh, really really cool, and um, kind of a social commentary too you oh, know definitely. Mm-hmm. i mean not kind of it really was uh but didn't kind of beat you over the head with it so i i like that but the, yeah the, the lucifer morningstar episode <laughs> just stole the show for me yeah 100 yeah i hope in hell that was that was a really good episode the sound of her wings the death episode yeah. um uh the cafe episode was called 24 7 okay um <laughs> but yeah i don't know i i yeah i would have to say that those were probably my top three aside from like the first episode when we get the introduction yeah. to yeah. dream so yeah. yeah but honestly i just i i like the whole <laughs> yeah, I really did too. I know I had some I'm, complaints, but I I really did like it a lot. I'm gonna be rewatching it very sternly. I was actually starting uh, episode one, like right before he came back in again. Yeah, yeah. I'm I'm hoping I'm hoping we get a season two and a season three and a season four, <laughs> we'll <laughs> however see. long it takes to finish this thing. We'll see. If, if you're not Stranger Things, though. No, you know what I mean? If you're not a yeah, hit on that level, if you're not like a Game of Thrones or Stranger Things, you are liable to be canceled at any time for any fucking reason. Such baloney. <coughs> no, yeah. I know. I, I totally agree. Um, but it's just the problem with streaming series. There's, 
you know, streaming services overall. They have the ability yeah. to create these shows a lot easier, but because there's so many of them, ratings and a lot of other factors can be very fickle and, you know, so you've got a lot of people involved that are involved in other projects, you know, can you get Gwendolyn Christie again? Can you get Boyd Holbrook again? Can you get Tom Sturridge again? You know, can you get all of these people again all together to do this thing again? And the people yeah. that you made stars through this show, the lesser actors, like they're going to sign on for a lot of things too. Are you going to be able to get all of them together to do a whole nother season? And if you get them together to do a whole nother season, how many more of those are you going to get? You know, if you don't kind of wrap, if you don't kind of wrap them up in the beginning and say you have to do five seasons, kind of like Stranger Things, you know, like oh, it's always up in the air. And I don't want my heart to be broken like Sense Eight again. I don't want your heart to get broken either. I sweetie. love Sense Eight so much. Oh, poor baby. Oh God, I miss that show. All right, so uh, we're gonna wrap it up here. Thank you all for listening to episode one hundred and fourteen of Radio Free Galaxy. Please remember to follow us on social media, on Instagram and Facebook and YouTube. YouTube for sure. And where can people find you, Kelly, on the interweb? They can find me at uh, on Instagram at the number two, Broads and a Bottle of Wine. If um, you want to follow like one of my more personal pages where... I don't know. I just usually post random stuff, but that is Virgo Dances on Instagram. Yep. If you follow her on social media, you can definitely get your latest in astrology. Uh, you know, she's always posting little updates. The moon is in this and that. And that <laughs> and, you know, it's interesting. It's to totally me. right. I like that. I like and that update. <laughs> and here's and here's some random photos I took, and yeah. here's something me wa there here's me waxing poetic about something. So yeah, <laughs> she's, a, she's a nice positive follow. So yes. I highly encourage following Kelly. And thank you all for listening. And please remember to leave us a rating and review on Apple Podcasts or the Spotify app. So that's it for this week, and we'll see you next time. Bye bye. <laughs>